adorable husband, Sean Farrar. Woo! Thanks for hanging out with us as we give some life tips and real life marriage banter. Let's get started now with a random thought. Hey baby, what's up? You hey. trying to catch me talking about goose poop? I was trying to catch you talking I'm about I'm too slick. I'm slicker than goose, goose poop. Goose poops. Yeah, it's nasty stuff. Sean's been, Sean needs to go. I gotta go rake some goose poop. Which is not something I bet as a child he ever imagined he would say. No. <laughs> not my, my dream career when I was a little kid. <laughs> I'm gonna grow up and be a goose poop raker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I volunteer at the local goose rescue facility. He's lying. We don't have one. Anyways, <laughs> um, speaking of poop. Yeah? According to NPR. Yeah? There was a shipment of baby wipes, which oh, we know. Geese would learn how to use them. We know baby wipes are, are what we wipe the poopy off of the baby's little bum bums, right? Man? And clog up the toilets when you're staying at a vacation rental. Right. So, like, you know, U.S. Customs and Border control they're like hanging out doing their jobs right yeah and they're like oh here's some baby wipes but no it wasn't baby wipes no they went over this bridge and from the u.s to mexico right Uh or mexico to the u.s and in this you know uh truck yeah of baby wipes um, alleged baby wipes yes. was 1,500 pounds of cocaine. What? I know, man. They were like... What do they do with all the baby wipes? The empty the packages? I know. Jeez. But this doggies with their magic drug-sniffing nosies. Found uh, Yeah, man. Wow. Do you ever go through the airport and you know you haven't done drugs and you know that, like, you don't have any drugs on you, but the dogs come by and you're like, oh, God, they're going to smell it on me somehow. Well, you know, no, not really. I always but get paranoid about that. if the person that's driving you to the airport smokes a big fat dewy on the way, <laughs> then you worry about your clothes just picking up a little scent, you know? And you're like, yeah. Oh. Has that ever happened? Am I gonna make it through? Is that what happened when you came back from alligator hunting? No. No. I usually hold a big fart until right when I walk by the dog and then I let it go. Is that how you do it? Yeah. (laughs) You know, some people. um, And they're like, oh! Some people hide the stuff up there. So what if you had a big fart and then it all came with tumbling out? Well, I don't hide the stuff up there. So I've had stuff tumble out (laughs) during farts before. No. You have really degraded this podcast. I know. (laughs) No. So anyways, how much was all this cocaine worth? Oh my God. I don't even remember anymore because I got so involved in the farts. But 11.8 million. Wow. It is a lot of money. We could pay off our house. <laughs> yeah. And a hell of a lot more. I know. I wouldn't have to hustle so hard. And my truck. We could pay off both houses. I could have a car that's not ancient. And our boat. I wouldn't have a and sloppy Subaru anymore. You could have a new Mini. <sighs> Only life. Only why do we not? Why aren't we drug traffickers? <gasps> because of the risk. and the, It's wrong. Because of the risk. No.
The boring part. No, it's not boring this week because we're talking sexy this week. Oh, we are? Yes. Who? I talk sexy every day Uh, when it comes to you. I I mean, I don't talk talk sexy like, hey, baby. Anyways, I don't even know how to talk sexy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, this is the problem. All right, so Belgian psychologist Esther Perel is like amazingly everywhere and has a lot of brain and intellect and she has two podcasts she have a big head no 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 she's just brilliant she seems like brain. a super lovely brilliant lady okay all right so she has two podcasts where should we begin and how's work and she's really kind of a boss because she's so smart and yeah. just amazing but um we're gonna briefly go into a mention about a tiny bit of another aspect of her work here even though she covers a lot about interrelationships of humans, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, part of the things that she studied is erotic desire and how it works and how it relates to love in modern times. Oh. Yeah. Um, and we'll have links at the website so you can delve in more because honestly, there's just so much juicy stuff. Does should that be. Sound naughty? It should be. Um, all right. Should so be <laughs> that she goes into and tells. <laughs> that's so gross. So in a TED talk in 2013, she said, "You know, this is the first time in the history of humankind where we are trying to experience sexuality in the long term, not because we want 14 children, for which we need to have even more because many of them won't make it, and not because it is exclusively a woman's marital duty." This is the first time we want sex over time about pleasure and connection that is rooted in desire. Right? So, like, whoa, that's true, right? Like, you know, it used to be like, do it, do the deed, make the babies, get the woman pregnant, hopefully the woman and the baby survives, you know, like, just to ensure that your crops get sown or... You know, sowing the seed, baby. But you know what I well, mean, you know right? What? Like it's... It's the w- women really kind of got robbed upon creation. Because it doesn't matter how mechanical it is for a man, it still feels good. Like it's if a it's, dog snoring. If it's just for making babies, Sorry. it still feels good to man. A woman's like, what? What was that? Okay, but we're not directly going into the pleasures of the big O, and I'm not talking Oprah here. Um, we're, we're, talking, we're, we're talking a little bit more about the psychological aspects of it, right? Yes. And um, so, basically, um, and how you can sustain desire. So not necessarily while you're doing the deed, having the big O. But to have the desire to, to actually, actually even do, do the, the, the deed, for right? Other than procreation. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. And and Esther says that you have to have two elements: a committed relationship, but you also have to reconcile these two basic human needs, right? Yes. And the first need is to be secure and safe, reliable and dependent. Like these anchors, right? Dependent or dependable? I'm so so sorry. I am codependent. Um, but and I just can't write out. I mean, there, for but... our case, dependent works great. <laughs> oh, and then the other part is to have adventure and risk and have the unknown and the unexpected happen. So that's, and that's the sort excitement. of like yeah, and that's like a drifting away. 
But then you will have the anchor, right? You right. want to be safe, but you want to have adventures. You want to blah, 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 you know. So but you want to be like a boat on a mooring. Maybe, but you don't <laughs> want to go around in circles with the ties. All right, anyway, so True that. how do you allow your need for security and the need for risk and the unexpected like to coincide and be okay at the same time, you know? Yeah. So she says... So we come to one person, and we basically are asking him to give us what once an entire village used to provide. Give me belonging. Give me identity. Give me continuity. But give me transcendence and mystery and all, all in one. Give me comfort. Give me edge. Give me novelty. Give me familiarity. Give me predictability. Give me surprise. Yeah, man. And we think it's a given... And toys and lingerie are going to save us with that. Save us. But they don't. They That's why we point. work so good. I give you all of those things. Oh, my God. Especially the novelty, the awe, the give, mystery. Give me the ego. My name is Sean. The transcendental sex. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You really shouldn't undermine me like like that. 20 hours the transit. You're supposed to support your man. I do support you because I'm codependent. Okay, so. Publicly support you. (laughs) So, you're going to give me, 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 right? Or you're like, yes, I am giving, 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 giving. But are those truths and are those the right way to be? You know, there's a lot of questions. And when the sex and a lot of pressure. And then, you know, when the sex feels not so transcendent, uh, how do you make that work? Desire, she says, needs space. And love, she says, needs a minimal distance. So it's like, ah! Two different things. Yeah, yeah. And she learned through her research that there are three ways to be drawn to your partner. This is kind of a long quote. Are you okay with it? Yeah, the the whole thing or this... The whole thing. All, I can read all, the big all words. of that. I all did, the big words, I, I actually graduated from middle school. <laughs> Kindergarten. So the first group is, I am most drawn to my partner when she is away. When we are apart, when we reunite. Yeah. Basically, when I get back in touch with my ability to imagine myself with my partner. When my imagination comes back in the picture. And when I can root it in absence and in longing. Which is a major component of desire. Wow. But then the second group is even more interesting. I am most drawn to my partner when I see him in the studio, when she is on stage, when he is in his element, when she's doing something she's passionate about, when I see him at a party and other people are really drawn to him, when I see her hold court. Basically, when I look at my partner radiant and confident. Probably the biggest turn-on across the board. Radiant as in self-sustaining. I look at this person, by the way, in desire, people really talk about it. When we are blended into one, five centimeters from each other, I don't know in inches how much that is. I think that's the funniest part of the quote. <laughs> Depends on the man. Oh, man. It's a comfortable distance, she says. Like, I don't know about you, but when, like, all right, yeah, I, I want to know. When are you the most attracted to me? You can't just say in bed. I guess you can. No, because I'm attacking to you all the time. Oh, my word. Okay, but I but mean, what there's is it different the types. Most? You know, there's like different types of attraction, right? Sometimes yes. I'm intellectually attracted to you. I mean, I still want to bang you. 
But sometimes it's like intellectual attraction. Sometimes it's just pure physical attraction. Like sometimes it's just pure physical attraction. Like when I see these sexy legs. Uh, okay. So anyway, so for me, for me, it's when you're doing weird. That sounds like Sean farted, but yeah. it was really a truck outside. I farted. She's trying to make <laughs> Chinese food. Um, <laughs> no, the thing is that uh, I'm most attracted to you when you make me laugh. Yeah. When we're like creating new things. Yeah. And when you're dragging a deer across a, a dead deer across well, the roadway, like a, nearly enough. I know, but it's so hot. It's so hot to watch you do that. But like, what what about when I'm like? In my physical element, like maybe down in Florida or something. Oh, when you're swimming. Oh, swimming? Yeah, because yeah. you're such a strong swimmer. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so moving and on. I don't have strong swimmers. So the third group, <laughs> uh, which we forgot to talk about, is like when you're laughing with each other and when they're doing something novel. So it's weird because I feel like, oh, all of the groups are what, for me... When I'm more attracted to you, you know, like every single thing. So it's just outside the doldrums of our day. It is, that's right. Yeah, so she says that couples who maintain the spark were those that interested her in her research and those who didn't, you know, whatever. But the ones who had great sex still were the ones who hadn't shut themselves down and turned off their desires, she said, direct quote. And so I began to ask a different question. I shut myself off when? began to be the question. I turn off my desires when, which is not the same question as what turns me off is, and you turn me off when. And people began to say, I turn myself off when I feel dead inside, when I don't like my body, when I feel old, when I haven't had time for myself, when I haven't had a chance to even check in with you, when I don't perform well at work, when I feel low self-esteem, when I don't have a sense of self-worth, when I don't feel like I have a right to want to take or to receive pleasure. Right. So I know that I turn myself off when I feel insecure or have low self-esteem. Yes. How about you? Me? Do you ever turn yourself off? I turn myself off every time I look in the mirror. Oh, you're so handsome. That's the <laughs> stupidest thing you've ever said. I hope that's not real. No, it's not. I'm you promise? pretty amazed. Okay. Cause... At this stellar... Adonis-like body. (laughs) (laughs) So one big thing she learned is that foreplay isn't what happens right before you do it. It's something that happens all day long. And that the erotic space isn't just about you. It's also about the other person. It isn't spontaneous. It's willful. And it can be resurrected, she says, with focus and presence. That's true. Yeah, man. And it is something that happens all day. Or at least in the it does for sure. after, you know, <laughs> like after five o'clock, four, oh. foreplay in a bottle. <laughs> oh my word! All right, so <laughs> anyways, you should really look up her work. She is a New York Times best-selling author of *The State of Affairs and Mating in Captivity*. She has TED Talks, which we quote from, and she's um, they've gathered more than twenty million views, and she's the host of those two podcasts. Wow. And we'll have some links. Cool. Alright, let's go work on our foreplay, baby. (laughs) My word. We need to go find a dead deer hanging out on the road somewhere. Oh, well, I could just get like a a deer decoy. 
have my word. Exactly. Yeah, that's behind probably, me all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my man. <laughs> dog tip for life. Here's your dog tip, right? Yeah. Wiggle your butt, wag your tail. Gets me going every time exactly. when you do it, baby. And you know what? Be intentional about the things you want. You want bacon, you let your human know. You want to have a little woomba woomba, let your human know. You want your belly rubbed, let your human know. But also listen to their cues about what they want. And think about, like, hey, wait, why don't I want my bacon right now? Why don't I want my woomba woomba? And why don't I want my belly rubbed? That's all right. That works? I just realized you talk to me like you talk to the dogs all the time. I do, honestly. Damn! Damn! <laughs> Get off of me! Sit! <laughs> hey there! Thanks for listening to Dogs Are Smarter Than People. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share your heart out. These podcasts and more are at my website, carriejonesbooks.blog. There's even a little donation button there. Because even a dollar inspires a happy dance in Carrie. And Sean. But hers are much better than mine. His are funnier. So thank you so much for your support. The music you hear here is made available through the Creative Commons, and it's a bit of a shortened track. Who is the artist and what's the song? Well, it's Summer Spliff by Broke for Free. I love that song. He does. Just because of the name. He does. Thanks, Thanks for, listening. for listening so much. Boop.